Hi, everyone. Today, me and Hellborn are doing another character comparison. This time, we're comparing her Ivar, which is the modern version of Ingvar from Equilibrium Point, and my character Joel. So on the surface, both of these characters seem like they are indifferent and aloof, especially when it comes to romantic relationships. However, as we have discussed um, on the Instagram Live and in other conversations that we've alluded to, um, there's actually a lot of differences behind their motivations for appearing this way. That's very true. And uh, I think we can start by discussing how both of these characters view relationships. Right, exactly. So first of all, Joel, he views them kind of like how Ivar sees them as kind of pointless, meaningless, and a distraction. But at the same time, I think there's a part of him that deeply longs for it. And this is why he tries so hard to quash it out of himself by, you know, kind of willingly imposing barriers on himself, you know, by, as he says, you know, kind of visualizing his desire for a sexual and romantic connection as a golden calf, kind of like the one in the Old Testament that Moses basically burned because it was an idol that distracted the Israelites from, you know, worshiping God. So that's how Joel sees it. And, um, you know, he wants to get rid of his own desires because he feels like they are a distraction and they will only lead to more pain and heartbreak for him. And he's already faced a lot of rejection, not sexually, but, you know, for being a stutterer in the past and being overly argumentative as a teen to make up for his quietness and shyness. That is a good point because these attitudes towards relationships are deeply rooted in their past experiences. So even though neither of these characters have had any uh, romantic or sexual uh, experiences so far, they, they have experienced uh, very faulty human relationships in general with their family especially, right, because it all starts in the, um, the, the, the first years of life and our first relationships with our parents. So I guess this is where they stem from. So this is another similarity between them. And yes, like you said, Eva does view relationships as something pointless, something that is a lot of work and that is destined to uh, fail, especially because uh, people are generally, uh, he views them as uh, ignorant and mean and filthy. And he, he has a very negative view of people in general. So he mm -hmm. doesn't like interacting with them, not only in that uh, romantic and sexual way, but in it, he generally prefers being alone and he is bothered by, um, uh, by closeness with other people and he has uh, a lot of trouble expressing his emotions and uh, and figuring out how to interact with people naturally. So he has, uh, you know, very um, distant and aloof. So um, he, he thinks that people are very complex and, um, and very flawed. And this is why it is not impossible. I, I mean, it is impossible to get along with someone else because it would mean even in, in the best 
situations where you find someone that you actually like and you could get along with, you would still have to give up a lot of yourself in order to be with that person, right? To, to make sacrifices and reach compromises. And he's just not willing to do that. And I think that this is, like you said about Joel and his family relationships, for Ivar, it is because um, his, um, his parents were quite emotionally detached, especially his father and his mother was very critical and she always told him to, uh, to focus on what is important in life and never lose sight of that and not allow any distractions uh, deter him from what he wants to achieve. So um, I guess it, uh, it fit his, his temperament as well. So, because otherwise he's not very uh, willing to accept what his parents say, because we, uh, we know that he, he's, he dislikes them and he rebels against many of their teachings, but this somewhat stuck because it really fits the way he is. That makes sense. I think similarly, Joel's parents are also kind of emotionally detached as well. I mean, his own mother kind of like, um, Ivar's mother is also very critical, but instead of mostly criticizing his career choices or academic stuff, it was more focused on his personal stuff. So it hurt more. Like she always hated how he was so quiet. She hated how he was a stutterer and she always wanted him to be quotes normal. Yeah, that, that must have been very hurtful, especially for, for him when he was very young, because I'm sure that, you know, in, in, in these cases, it takes a lot of time to realize that it's not you, it is the parent, right? So it's not uh, really something about you that makes you, I don't know, flawed and unlovable. Of course, you can always improve yourself, but uh, his his mother's um, criticism was really overblown. Mm-hmm, it was. While Ivar, I don't think his parents really criticized his personality that much, right? No, 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 not at all. Not at all, no. So I, I guess that they they mostly, uh, you know, they say that they encourage him, but in a way they encourage him to be very detached because they constantly tell him that he has to be successful and he has to be perfect. And this is the way in which they, they put a lot of pressure on him. And this is also connected to, you know, uh, his view of relationships as something distracting. Right. And I think Joel also kind of takes refuge in his singleness, using it as a weapon against his parents as well. I don't know if Ivar thinks of it this way, but, you know, Ivar also struggles with how his parents are still deeply in love with each other while he has all these complexes. Right. I was wondering if he had something similar to Joel because Joel, okay, his parents are definitely never were in love with each other. And they always had this kind of distance from each other. Right making it very practical and very minimalistic. But um, I think what he wants to prove to them is that, you know, you kind of screwed me up in this way. And this is why, you know, I check off all the boxes for being a good son. I have an okay job. I mean, not like tremendously successful, right? But they never expected him to be tremendously successful because they thought of all his flaws and they're like, oh, you can never be successful because successful people have to, you know, be really good at talking. They have to be uh, really outgoing. They can't be stutterers, right? So they never had this expectation for him. 
but he wants to kind of throw it back in their faces and say and tell them basically through his singleness that you know maybe you're the ones who kind of screwed me up for life because you made me think that I was worthless and you know now I have created all these self-imposed barriers for myself do you ever think about how your actions and inactions have influenced me into becoming this that's true. So I guess that in his parents' view of how his life should be like, it it also comes, uh, you know, the having a wife part. And I guess it is a statement for Joel uh, in, in the way that he said it is. And also uh, maybe against uh, his parents' choices because his parents married because it was the, the, the normal and the comfortable thing to do. And he wants to rebel against that, right? I am not going to do it just because people expect me to. Exactly. And also he wants them to think about how they raised him and all the hurtful things they said and, you know, or his father didn't do. Like, for example, it was very painful for him when something bad would happen at school, for example, bullying, but his parents brushed it under the rug. So it's an inaction that causes pain too, not just criticism, right? So he wants them to think, think about it all these years, all these 20 plus years of inaction and actions that have caused Joel to become the person he is today. Do his parents regret raising him like that? And he wants them to think long and hard about it and feel some pain. That is really interesting. That's, that's fascinating how he, how he is so disturbed by this and so motivated by this in order to, uh, to, to impose these barriers on himself just to make a statement and just to, um, to, to get back at his parents. And this really fits with Joel's argumentative nature and all these those logical statements that he always makes. And uh, they sort of turn on him, don't they? They do. And this is only one of the reasons he does it. The other one is to prove a point to himself that he doesn't need to do what society expects of him, like you said, and also to minimize the um, the potential threats of losing control over his own emotions, which Ivar also fears. That's true. That's true. So this is this is another point where they have uh, similarities, but otherwise it is quite quite different because for Joel, there is a whole process of avoiding and of um, uh, verbalizing uh, why he he wants to avoid it, right? Whereas for Ivar, it's not, you know, he, he's sort of dismissive about it. He doesn't think about it that much. But then, yes, like you said, he sometimes ponders on it because he finds it uh, very strange how his parents, who are so uh, terrible people, terribly annoying people from his perspective, got to be together. But he, he does, I guess he, uh, he rationalizes that uh, they had to do a lot of uh, compromise because, uh, you know, in, in teaching him how to uh, become a successful person and a better person, they sort of uh tell him about certain compromises that they that he has to make you know in order to to reach perfection and to have a good reputation and to be the perfect um you know in in, in his career and everything so mm-hmm. i guess this is his way of rebelling against this sort of right. definitely not as much as joel 
Right. So he doesn't really think about, you know, throwing it back in his parents' face to make them think about something, right? Oh, no, no, not really. And also, I don't think his parents really expect him to uh, to to be married and to have a family and everything because uh, you know these are different times it's uh, almost one year after the uh, the book of Joel takes place right so I guess social expectations in terms of uh, people starting families when they're in their 20s or 30s is even lower so I don't think they they care as much so they mm-hmm. you know he, he doesn't really get back at them by not having a relationship right I think for Joel his parents don't really expect him to have a relationship I should clarify that because I did tell this to Tete because they think he has too many flaws they, they would they actually said to him you know um you'd be very lucky if you did because they don't think you know anyone wants a stutterer who's overly argumentative and all, always wants to make a point <laughs> yeah that that really really complicates things because in a way Joel uh, sort of does what his parents expected of him, but for different reasons, because they say, because he, he, he wants it to seem like, you know, I could have had plenty of women, I just didn't want to. Exactly. So that's, it's even more obfuscated. It's not very clear, but it basically makes both sides uncomfortable, right? And that's, exactly. that's what he's trying to do. It's not like they're like, oh, you must get married. I don't think so. I think one of the reasons why Joel fixates on this problem so much is because growing up, his parents always made him feel inferior that he couldn't be like other people. If if they actually expected him to be married, he might not feel that bad because it means that they view him as normal and not substandard. That's very true. And that's really intriguing. It is because he's not the type of kind of person who would be irritated if someone asked him, are you married? Because, you know, that's actually a an improvement over someone saying, hey, you will never get married because you are weird. <laughs> oh, gosh. Right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's very true. That's very true. And well, what, what a terrible place to, to be in, you know, that, that being his, uh, the expectations that his parents had of him. Very low expectations. So that's kind exactly. of in contrast to Ivar, who want you know his, whose parents wanted him to be the perfect businessman and run their business. Yes, exactly, exactly. So I guess both their parents can uh, criticize them, but in a very different way. Because for Ivar, it is uh, uh, they view it as a sort of uh, constructive criticism to help him reach perfection because he's already so wonderful and he just needs to push himself Mm. more and more whereas for Joel he is uh, in in their view somewhere very very low exactly so I think Ivar has more self-confidence because even though his parents were critical at least they believed he was very smart already and very good already Yes, I think he's very self-confident. And, and like we discussed in, um, I think it was the podcast about introverted characters. Uh, well, Ingvar is not, and Ivar, uh, is not introverted because of shyness or because of a lack of self-confidence. And this is also not a reason why he doesn't want to be with people. He, it's not that he thinks that he is not good enough. He just thinks that, 
you know, people in general aren't good enough. And I think that this is one uh, difference between Ivar in equilibrium point and Ingvar in my medieval setting, because uh, there we really see his self-loathing because he does uh, a lot of things for which he hates himself, mm -hmm. including, you know, murder, which definitely changes a person, even someone in the Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. But now we've eliminated this aspect and he doesn't hate himself as much, but he is much more apathetic, I guess. So this is his, his biggest problem. And it also ties to how he views relationships. That's true. I think Ingvar in the medieval ages, he also has more distractions. Like we previously covered in a podcast episode, um, writing something that takes place in the ancient past or, you know, the dark ages or even anything that's, you know, before the 19th century, I would say, um, there's always a lot of risks, you know, like people, they can die very easily. A lot of children die before they reach the age of 10. There's many diseases, right? There's not a, not a lot, not, not a lot of knowledge about science and there's a lot more risk. And most people don't live to be old age, for example. Right. So I think it's because of all these external factors, people have less time and maybe they don't even have the ability because they are so overwhelmed by these things to think about things that preoccupy a lot of modern people, such as the issues faced by Ivar, like apathy and Joel, you know, self-denial and, you know, quote unquote, thought experiments. That's very true. So it, it was a struggle for survival and it's left little room for just uh, meditating. And it's also the access, like you said, to, uh, to knowledge, which gets people to, to think about things, um, about more philosophical things or something that is detached from their immediate reality. So in this sense, Ingvar is very philosophical for his time and for his education, which is formally none. So, uh, but at the same time, this would be amplified uh, a thousand years later in equilibrium point because mm -hmm. and and also all the um uh, adventure in his life would be really reduced to you know doing extreme sports like he does in equilibrium <laughs> point other than that it's just monotony exactly but on another point, I think people in the medieval ages or ancient world, a lot of them didn't have adventures either. Most people didn't stray from their hometown at all. So I guess most people, even fewer than now, had adventures. It's just that in the media, we always focus on the very, very, very few people who had the chance to leave their hometown and, you know, go on raids or you know, boat rides and stuff like that. But, you know, back then, I think even fewer people than now had adventures contrary to oh, yeah. media expectations. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But if they didn't have uh, adventures, it still doesn't mean that they had a lot of time to think because generally those people who didn't have uh, an interesting life or those people who had to work a lot physically, so they would be exhausted. They would uh, fear often about, you know, tomorrow and what they're going to put on the table for their families. So yes, the, there are very different concerns uh, in medieval times versus modern times. Absolutely. And I think um, another thing I just had a passing thought, because, you know, for Reinweg, we talked about this at too, right? Reinweg, she does not have to go to school or work. And this is why she has so much time to think about who she wants to marry. For other characters like Malka, who are limited by time and space, they don't 
they don't think about these things because they don't have the luxury to think about it, even though, so it's kind of reversed. I mean, for the modern character, she doesn't have time to think about this aspect, but for the, the character in the medieval ages, she has time to think about that, but it's reversed for Ivar and Joel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it, it's very true. And also it's because in the Middle Ages, women did not really have the luxury of choosing if they want to marry or not. I mean, if you didn't want to marry someone and if you didn't choose someone for yourself, you would just be forced into a marriage with someone that you don't want. So, of course, this would be a, mm -hmm. a great concern for, for Ranvei because, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's either uh, <laughs> you, you choose someone that you like or you uh, are forced into it. So, so it's, it's something that she worries about it a lot. Lot, you know, would I be able to find a uh, a good man, or would I just marry someone that I hate because I have to? So That's yeah, it's, it's something that occupies a lot of her time, and it's not really up to her, you know. Because even if she doesn't think about it, it's it's worse because a husband will just be chosen for her. That's true. So that's why she spends so much time looking for someone suitable. And that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, the fact that yeah. she doesn't have to go to work or school makes it easier for her to do this. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yes. Right. Because if she had to go to work or school, it could be very difficult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> looking for a husband is a painstaking process. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So back to Ivar and Joel. So I think that's the difference between how they interact with their parents. I think for Joel, um, he's definitely more spiteful when it comes to his parents because of all the mean things they have said and not done for him. While for Ivar, I think it's more like an apathetic acceptance, right? Yes, I think that Ivar is the type of person who just uh, silently detaches himself from them and they just keep a very formal relationship. They meet at, you know, uh, birthdays and maybe Christmas and things like that. And they don't really talk otherwise, mm -hmm. but they don't really argue either because Ivar thinks that arguing is a lot of effort and it's just not worth it. That's true. He's right. So I think um, Joel would actually think he has a lot of wisdom and maybe he would try to learn some things from him, but it's very difficult, especially when it concerns thought processes. On the surface, Joel can modify himself to seem like he is like Ivar, which is partially successful in his 20s when he stops arguing most of the time. But you know, deep inside, he still has all these thought processes that are very different from Ivar. Ivar is more apathetic and I think more neutral. He's not, you know, so extreme. But Joel, one of the reasons why he is so extreme is because he is counteracting a deep um, fear of the unknown, as well as his deep down desire to be rescued from his twisted thinking. That's true. So deep down, he does want to to have someone who understands him, right? And someone who is who is there for him and who is different than uh, his parents. Exactly. And he, he realizes this. So this is why he goes so extreme to quash it. That's true. That's true. So, so he is more afraid of what lies deep down, I think. Right. So that's why he puts up such a front. But I think Ivar, he's not really afraid of that. I think he's just apathetic, right? For the most part about this whole thing. Yeah, that's true. I don't think he is afraid. But then um, an, an interesting point is that um, Joel's 
passionate nature, uh, as passionate as he is in, uh, you know, proving people wrong and setting barriers from himself. Uh, he, this will also be manifested in his relationship once he, he finds someone who sort of overturns his expectations. And whereas with Ivar, his dispassion nature will also come into play in his relationship, but uh, with, of course, with very different results. Exactly. I think Ivar is a little bit like Ben then, but only he doesn't try to hide behind this goody two shoes, cheerful facade, which Ben tries to, because <laughs> Ben also feels very apathetic deep inside if he's truthful with himself. He only tries to, uh, you know, kind of obey convention because he thinks that will make him more socially acceptable. That's very true. Exactly. So Ben puts on a mask, whereas Ivar is so apathetic that he doesn't even <laughs> care about putting on a mask. He's just himself and he doesn't care if anybody likes him. And, you know, people don't like him very much. I mean, uh, most people just think, oh, oh, God, here, here comes Ivar. He's going to criticize us, you know, or Aww. look at him just always uh, looking down on everybody and spoiling everybody's fun, you know, because he just frowns at people who are having fun and doing silly things so so i guess that this is how he's viewed and he doesn't even care to uh to pretend otherwise that makes sense and ben i think he also doesn't really like the fact that he is apathetic so i think he is trying to put on a mask to convince himself that you know he's just a squeaky clean nice christian boy who just happens to not find certain things interesting it doesn't mean anything right he's just obeying god's word or this is god's will like it's just basically emotional shorthand for some emotional issues he doesn't want to address that's very true. That's very true. And Ivar is very atheistic, so he, he cannot hide behind uh, religion. Mm -hmm, exactly. But Ben is not really as squeaky clean as he pretends to be. He really, he's more like indifferent, so he can't really be classified as squeaky clean or not. He just thinks that the squeaky clean image is something he can utilize to make himself more socially palatable. That's true. That's true. And, and that is a very interesting uh, comparison. Right. So he's not actually offended by Ardayan's pornography. He's indifferent to it, but he thinks pretending he is extremely offended by it will attract him more followers, you know, at church and also for his books and stuff, because he's, you know, really into ethics and stuff like that. So he thinks it fits into his image. Exactly. He, he does that because he thinks he should do that. Mm -hmm, exactly so I think he's a bit different from Edgar in that respect we should have a podcast about this <laughs> that's true yeah this could be our next comparison I think Edgar's truly offended right but I think the dean's yeah. only pretending to be <laughs> yeah definitely definitely yeah that's actually a great point yes <laughs> yes exactly so back to Ivar and Joel so yes definitely they're different um, personalities do manifest differently once they are in a relationship. And I think um, one of the greatest struggles that Ulf has with Ivar is that, you know, he's frustrated with how Ulf, um, well, Ivar kind of doesn't say anything or do anything in the way that he's used to, because Ulf is very demonstrative. That's true. That's true. And he, he doesn't really understand it. I think that Ulf is the kind of person who sort of uh, believes in that, 
you know that romance trope where somebody is uh, the the strong silent type, but then they just uh, become very different once they're uh, in a relationship. You know, by the, like those um, ki- kidnapped by the Viking. Oh or my something. god! Scenario, yes. you know. So it's, it's just this this really tough guy, but inside he will just be really nice and and give you flowers and everything. <laughs> so, I guess Ulf, okay, he doesn't think about it in these terms because he's not, he, he always says that he's not romantic and he's not really interested in fiction and and in you know dreaming away. So he's he really is really pragmatic, but I think that in a way he he cannot imagine someone being as detached as Ivar is. He 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 thinks that it's just a facade that he is putting on. He's at a, this is his macho image, but he cannot <laughs> be like that underneath. And he tries to to discover what's underneath. And well, <laughs> underneath, <laughs> I, I'm afraid is not as much as a mask for Ivar as Ulf wants to think it is. Right, and is he disappointed? <laughs> you know, we're going to see that in <laughs> equilibrium points <laughs> right and i think for joel it's pretty much impossible um i guess for him to really break out of these constraints that he has placed um, on himself until he realizes the importance of other people in his life because one of the reasons as me and tetsi have discussed why joel is so Um, I guess why he has so many weird thought processes is because he's so self-contained. Yes, he goes to work and he talks to people. You know, he does have connections with others. He's not just living in his mother's basement, for example. He is interacting with others, but it's not high quality interaction. It's just, hi, how was your day? Or something like that. Something about work, right? So it's because of that, that, you know, he keeps on thinking about these things deep inside his head because there's no outlet for these thoughts, of these kinds of thoughts. No one wants to hear about them, not his parents, because they don't understand it. They just think he's being stupid and not people like Sam and Frankie, who would probably mock him for it, unfortunately. That's true. They're in a way like, oh, they cannot understand how someone can can have those thoughts and why. Why, think- why would they would subject themselves to something like that? I think Sam sort of understands because he is more thoughtful in a way. Like he thinks more about these things than Frankie, who just thinks it's ridiculous. But then he kind of feels sorry for Sam. Uh, sorry for sorry for Joel and but Sam he believes that Joel might have something wrong with him he's like you know if he continues down this path we're probably going to have to go to the psychologist because he doesn't think this is normal that's true so I guess it's Sam sees him as you know disturbed in a way and having a lot of complexes which is not very far from the truth but he's really much more complex than Sam understands Right. And Sam just thinks that, you know, if you don't want to think about it, then don't think about it, Joel. Why are you so contradictory? Why do you claim you don't like it, but then you spend so much time creating all these complexes around it? That's a contradiction, as you would say, you know, aren't you very logical? You know, why don't you apply your own logic to yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, I, I don't think Joel could actually have a conversation with anyone about these things and not even with Malka, because, you know, once they are together, why would he go back and think about these things and talk to her about it? Because, you know, it's hurtful. You know, the fact that he does these things to himself 
is not only hurtful to himself, but potentially to Malka, because what if he continues doing this, right? He's going to push her away. That's true. And that's a really valid point because nobody can change, you know, once they find someone, all right, yes, they, that person also overturns their expectations, but they are still themselves and, and changing anything about yourself and, and growing is a long process. So yes, of course, I, I, I do believe that Joel is uh, somehow, you know, risks falling back into those patterns of thinking. He does, and he has to keep it in check and think about reality and people in his real life rather than all these thought experiments and projections and what ifs. I think thinking too many uh, what ifs can actually really damage Joel because unfortunately he is someone who overthinks things and sometimes he can just, you know, one thought leads to another, which leads to another and, you know, it kind of traps him. That's true. Right. And, and then he becomes obsessed with his convictions, which is another trap he falls into. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Ivar has these things, right? He doesn't feel the need to prove a point or have these extreme convictions. So he doesn't have that trap to fall into. No, no, definitely. He, he doesn't really care. I mean, uh, he, he is very firm in his convictions, but he doesn't feel like he needs to prove anything to anyone. And he, he prefers not to, to talk about his convictions because he thinks that it's, it's, it, it's no one's business what he thinks. And it's not his duty to convince people to think like he does, even though he is convinced that his convictions are better than everyone else's. That's true. So he's more private in a sense, even mm-hmm. though Joel is private, yeah. but then from time to time, he leaks it out. Yeah, yeah, because it's argumentative. Exactly. So yeah, I think that's it for today. I think we covered the main similarities and differences between these two. And it was very interesting to see how they have different motivations when it comes to avoiding relationships. That's true. It, it really pr- proves how, how complex uh, the human psyche is and how this can reflect into fiction. Right. So next time we'll talk about um, the Dean or Ben versus Edgar and how they are both conservative, but maybe for different reasons, right? That's true. Yeah. This will be really interesting to find out. Mm-hmm, definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Bye.